0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sketchnote Army podcast. I'm Mike Grody, the author of the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook, and of course, the founder of the Sketchnote Army. And today, I am here with Catherine Mi Suk. Hello, Catherine. How are you?
1: Great. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, we're so glad to have you here. Um, I saw. I've been. I've been talking with you for a little while now, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the podcast was that you're pretty new to sketchnoting, and I wanted to make sure we represented new people Um, As you know, on Sketchnote Army, we've got a section uh, on the site dedicated to first sketchnoters, and we feel that's really important. Mauro and I sort of seek people out that do it for the first time, and we always invite them to come and talk on Sketchnote Army because us old haggled and haggard sketchnoters sort of forget what it's like to be a new sketchnoter sometimes, and I think it's good to be reminded what the essence of sketchnoting is, that it's really about capturing ideas and uh, capturing thinking and I think by having you on, we'll have a better sense of what it's like to be a new person to sketchnoting. And I think there's some other fascinating things that you bring to the table that I wanted to really share with people listening to the podcast. So to get things started, um, I want to first start with who you are, like what do you, what do, you do and uh, how you ended up being drawn to sketchnoting. Um,
1: well, first and foremost, I am a full-time mama of a five-year-old boy. My son's name is Josiah, and um, and he is an avid doodler and starting to get into sketchnoting himself. Um, and I also uh, do a lot of work with visual merchandising um, for various projects and companies, and um, that is actually what... Um, that background is what drew me to sketchnoting, um, but the biggest is the Today's Doodle community. Um, mm. That's how I first discovered uh, what sketchnoting was about.
0: Excellent. Well, um, why don't we talk a little bit about um, maybe some of your first impressions as you came into sketchnoting, what you liked about it, what, was, uh, what were some of the things that you that made you keep coming back, because obviously Today's Doodle would be one. Maybe talk a little bit about how that drew you in and what it was that was attractive about sort of the sketchnoting uh, thing and the community and all the stuff surrounding it. Um,
1: Well, I really just, I love the heavy visual element and visual merchandising. Um, The big thing behind that really is you're telling a story um, before you say anything. With the visual elements, so in that sense, sketchnoting really connects with me, and I also uh, really like the community aspect. Um, it's, it it kind it just gives it heart and soul. So for me, I I would be sort of lost in the world of sketchnoting, I think if it wasn't for the community, um, some and and just connecting with people and also so many different styles, um, Mauro, uh, of, of, who introduced me to sketchnote army, um, has been a huge influence. Also, um, James Zaretta, um, who has talked about sketchnoting on, um, unpacked FM and Mark Borginon, um, whose passion just, you can Incites uh, curiosity for it, and there's so many others like Ivan's uh, urban sketching style, Rob Demio, uh, Mara Mario, Diana, uh, with her sketch notes. Just so many uh, in that crew, um, and I'm I know I'm missing some names, but they they're very encouraging. They each have their own distinctive style, um, and it's just been a real joy in Um, getting to know what this is about. And it, again, uh, the visual elements of, uh, it's not just reading a bunch of words, but it's connecting to so many different things that I would not otherwise have a connection with um, people and topics. So the connecting factor on many different cylinders, I think is what really speaks to me about sketchnoting.
0: Well, that's interesting. I know. When I set out to do this uh, sketchnote army and in general sketchnoting was sort of a focus on building a community because I found... Uh, communities to be very helpful in uh, both my personal life and as I was around in the early internet, um, I was involved in lots of communities and I really appreciated what those communities could bring. In fact, uh, there was one odd little community called the PowerBook uh, community back in the 90s for people who owned old PowerBooks and I met so many good friends through that. One guy ended up working for and another is a great friend who uh, now lives in Japan as a as a 3D animator doing some animation like technical stuff, so those two lifelong friends were born out of that obscure little uh, mailing list about uh, about Mac PowerBooks. So you never know where your uh, best friends might come from, right? So I felt that those communities really spoke to me, and as well as in my personal life, I'm I'm part of uh, part of a church, and we feel that community is really really important. So all those things have sort of infused my approach to sort of building a community of sorts uh, and making it, uh, I think really important to me is making it welcoming and encouraging uh, so that people are encouraged because there's so many things in the world now that are not welcoming and not encouraging that I felt like there was a need to sort of counter that and bring a different perspective and a different way to be uh, to the internet and to, uh, to people who wanted to, you know, doodle and, and be able to share that when they wanted to share it.
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. And I, I uh, have to commend you and uh, Mauro. You um, have really built a beautiful community with sketchnotters, especially as someone I'm extremely new um, to all of this. And I couldn't feel more comfortable, welcome, and encouraged as somebody who kind of just is getting my feet wet and doesn't really know much about it and is just kind of learning as I go. It just has been... A wonderful experience, and I've already built um, close friendships beyond just the sketch noting itself. So I absolutely think community is the lifeline um, in this aspect, and I like that. It's it's great.
0: I agree. I you know me me from afar observing people. It's just fun for me to see these. Sometimes I wake up to these massive Twitter s- streams with like you know. <laughs> <laughs> eight people bouncing messages, back, and I just smile every time I see that. I think it's so awesome. I know Michaela, who we want to have on the show, is uh, doing the Sketchnote Hangouts, and that's just sort of got its life of its own. I love that th- that people are just doing stuff without, you know, worrying about whether it's official. Like, it's official if you do it, right? So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun for me to see all this stuff sort of happening around the community that it like you said, it's got a life of its own, and it's very encouraging. And I have to give lots of credit to Mauro because I know he does lots of work in the community, and he loves to do it. I think um, it's kind of weird sometimes we'll email back to each other, like I'll think of something and I'll email him, hey, let's do this. And he'll think, I was thinking the same thing. So I think we're we're sort of like brothers from another mother, uh, very far away from each other. But uh, we uh, we really get along, and I think we've found a good rhythm. And I think we're excited about the future of the Sketchnote Army with the podcast and some of the other things that we're, we're sort of planning in the in the labs at Sketchnote Army uh, to bring to you guys. So, uh, thank you for being part of it. And um, there was something that you mentioned before about, um, about community and I think encouragement. Um, related to that is this idea that you're sharing your work. Because I think um, the thing that I've noticed doing workshops and and talks and things when I get people drawing, it can be a very personal thing to share your work that you're sort of revealing something about yourself, something often deep about yourself. And it can be you know, concerning. If you don't feel safe, you're not going to share, right? So, um, I'm really curious about uh, your thoughts on sharing and what you share and what you maybe don't share. Because, you know, I don't share everything I do. Sometimes I can't Things I can't share because of confidentiality stuff, um, mm-hmm. but uh, or personal reasons, right? So, why don't you talk a little bit about your perspective on sharing and uh, what that means to you?
1: Okay, this is awesome. I think this is a great area. Um, for me, um, I don't heavily share. If you go to my um, various social media, you'll see more calligraphy and lettering or some. Kind of sketching posts, but not as much sketch noting right now. Um, what I like to do personally is build something into a daily practice, so I feel my own rhythm with it. It feel becomes a home place for me. So way before I ever started posting, for example, um, any of my calligraphy pieces, and I'm still very new with it. I um, spent quite a bit of time just in my private time, my personal space, just doing that for myself until I found my own flow with it. Because I find that um, if I don't give myself enough time to really embrace it and get into it and kind of try it out and see what feels right for me to just find my flow, I, um, I will feel a little bit intimidated and discouraged, um, even if I'm in a trusting and wonderful community. Just separate from all of that, I get intimidated of posting. So I'm more likely I've found that um, I won't have the consistency. So what I found works really well for me is to just take the pressure off. I do it in my free time. I like to make a daily practice of it, so I am practicing, but once I feel comfortable, that's when I'll start posting. And for right now, um, I don't share so much on my public platforms, but what I do is uh, with some of the connections I've built through this awesome community, um, I share more in private or in private group conversations and things like that. So um, right now, I'm just sort of finding my, my place with it before I, I really bring it to the public sphere.
0: I think that's, that's a really great message. And it's something that uh, I, I try to share when I'm, whenever I talk. But I think maybe I e- even need to put more emphasis on is this idea of allowing people to be private before they're ready to be public. Um, we you know mentioned before that we have the first sketchnoters section at Sketchnote Army Uh, to share people's work. And often the work that we see there is pretty basic. People are pretty uh, okay with sharing early work, but not everybody's in that place. Not everybody's ready to do that. Some people are more extroverted and some are maybe more introverted or just not ready, right? There's for many different reasons. And uh, this message that you can do it privately and not share it with anyone or only share it with a few people is a really great message. I think because it builds your confidence uh, over time and slowly until you're ready to share that work publicly or maybe share not everything but certain things like maybe your confidant that you're sharing it with or the people that you're sharing it with might say oh that's that is just fantastic Catherine you should really put that one up I think other people could benefit from it um, that's that's a really great kind of a flow because there's never this pressure like you mentioned to share anything unless you're ready for it and I think that's a really important message for people to hear um so thank you for uh going into a little bit more detail on that. One of the other things that I think marks you and I see it all the time because I when I open uh my Instagram in the morning, I like to see things uh visual in the morning, so I'll kind of scroll through that. And I love seeing your calligraphy in your Hobonichi Techo, um, which is the little notebook that we both use for daily uh stuff for I use it for my daily log. And uh, you use it for beautiful calligraphy and, and other stuff. So, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about uh, what's your reasoning behind doing the calligraphy, uh, what you're into. Because I think that really supports your sketchnoting, too. It builds your lettering skills. Um, and then further, I know that you're into Japanese stuff in general, Asian stuff in general. We have an article on Sketch Note Army, which I'll put a link to, uh, talking about your love of uh, Japanese and other things, Asian so why don't you talk a little bit about that too? Like why you came to it and and what drew you there and what uh, what you're doing with it?
1: Sure. Um, well, it's something that ties to my heritage. Um, my mother is South Korean, born and raised in Seoul, Korea. Um, my father's American. So, um, and she, when she was younger. Uh, was trained in traditional Japanese and Korean watercolor, but a lot of her supplies um, were Japanese uh, brushes and um, inkstones and paper, um, especially the paper. So I've had a connection to um, Japanese stationery and products uh, grow th- throughout my life. And um, so there's a heart connection there, but their products are just fantastic. I love them. I agree. <laughs> and um, I, the Hobonichi Techo, I, I just the paper. I call it magical paper. Um, it's it works beautifully with several different mediums, and I it sort of uh, it brings out the childlike wonder in me every time I'm um, doing calligraphy uh, in the Hobonichi or. Uh, sketch noting or illustrating it just um it's such a joy to work with I'm so fascinated with how wonderful that paper takes to um different inks and mediums and um I I really enjoy it the quality is just superb and yet the paper is extremely thin and um so it's a lightweight notebook which I love because I'm constantly on the go Um, but it's, it's one of my favorites. The paper is um, made with Tomoe river paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like about the Hobonichi, it can, uh, it can be a challenge too, but it's, it's actually a planner, which I do not use it at all for pl- <laughs> planner purposes at all. That's amazing. Um, but um, it sort of challenges me in the sense of even though I do not use it for plan- anything related to planning a schedule, Um, it keeps me grounded in a daily practice because somewhere mentally, I know that the dates are on the paper. So I sort of want to stay consistent uh, with the dates. So it does keep me consistent in terms of a daily practice. Like for example, uh, you mentioned uh, my calligraphy. I'm very new to that. But what I love about that is it, um, it helps with just my lettering skills in general. But what I just very much enjoy about calligraphy is it's, uh, it sort of it centers me and it's very calming. So um, if I'm very, let's say, distracted with my to-do list for the day, or it could be the end of the day, and maybe um, just to unwind, or if I've had a stressful day, um, even if it's been a hard day, when I sit down and I start getting... Into the calligraphy and just the connection with how the ink and the paper and everything kind of uh, marries together, it just calms me
0: and I love it. It's a little so bit like a meditation. It sounds like
1: <laughs> it is. It it's it, and it's uh, it keeps me in a daily practice with that. Which any daily practice I have with any one thing I have found um, strengthens my other areas that I want or need to keep a daily practice with, any, anything I want to build in. So that is a very uh, wonderful um, just enhancer of other things for me, and I enjoy it, so it's just a passion of mine.
0: Hmm, interesting. It's almost as though this visual practice is sort of an anchor for your other daily activities. It keeps everything in line and sort of keeps the structure in some sense, it sounds like.
1: It really does.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I think uh, I've fallen off of my Hobonichi uh, work because I've been doing a bullet journal at work. So I actually use it for planning and scheduling. And I think um, my poor little Hobonichi has not gotten the attention. I think it's, you're talking about it. has reminded me to bring it up. And I think I always forget how tough that paper is, like what it can take. Like I'm typically just using ink on it. But I I realize I could like hammer that with marker and all kinds of stuff. And it can handle it, which is I always forget about that. So Thanks for reminding me because uh, now I can uh, do that. Um, related to your practice, so do you do your calligraphy stuff? It sounds like you might do it at the end of the day, or do you do it in the morning, or is it all over the place? What's your practice look like? And that might help someone as they're thinking about building some kind of visual practice, like where could it maybe fit in their lives by hearing how it fits in your life.
1: Um, that's a great uh, point. Um, I didn't really think about that, but now that I am, I am actually – For me, I start my day early, and one of the the first thing I like to do with my the first cup of coffee is actually calligraphy, and it's also how I often close my day. Um, So. Yeah. I like to begin my day with this daily practice. It's very, I I always start my morning doing some form of calligraphy. I don't have to post it. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to have a, a purpose behind it or in any angle behind it. I just love to do it. So I, I have my calligraphy stuff on the kitchen table, um, as well as on my desk, but always at the kitchen table, first cup of coffee. And then I generally like to close the day, doing calligraphy as well
0: interesting and where what are the sources for the things that you write are they things that you're thinking about are they famous quotes i think i've seen kind of both how do you uh, what do you use for um inspiration because i could see if you started on a calligraphy journey like that you would maybe quickly i would imagine myself quickly running out of things to actually write <laughs> from that perspective
1: um It's actually very, uh, these are great questions, by the way. I'm really enjoying this. Um, It's very stream of thought for me. I don't have a plan um, in advance with the quotes that I use, um, which is amazing. I'm not running out of them um, because I do do a lot of quotes. So it's either from books that I'm currently reading or what I do often, um, I just, as I'm kind of priming the calligraphy nibs and inks, it just sort of reflect on where I'm at in that moment. And um, kind of thinking about, It's I guess it's uh, sort of mindful in that sense, or I'm just sort of, aware of how I'm feeling in that moment. There's no right or wrong. And then what I'll do is either go to, um, some of my books that I'm reading, or I could even just Google, um, some keywords that describe, uh, where I'm at. And I just kind of will scroll through, uh, different quotes and one may really grab me in terms of, um, someone else, a poet or an author or an unknown person, Um, can coin a phrase that just really beautifully describes and connects with where I'm at. And then I'll, that's where I kind of go from there.
0: That's really great feedback. I think um, I've kept a little app, uh, which my friend Patrick Rohn shared with me called Quotebook. It's an iOS app on my phone and it also syncs to the iPad and such. And what it is, is basically you can drop quotes in there. So... Um, whenever I see good quotes, I just drop them in there because I never know when I might need them. And sometimes I share them on Twitter, but sometimes I just flip through there and something will catch my eye. So I think uh, having sort of a resource, like you said, even putting a couple of words into Google and, and just hitting hitting go and seeing what comes back is a really interesting way to sort of roll the dice in a sense and see what comes up. So that's really helpful. I think um, that helps me think about how can I resurrect maybe my nichi practice, and maybe, you know, I've been getting up a lot earlier in the morning for various reasons, and uh, I kind of like getting up when the kids and my wife are still sleeping, because I can do stuff, I can send emails, or I can fool around on the iPad with a pencil, or I can just have a cup of coffee and sit on the front porch, or whatever, I've got this variety of options, and I think I'm I'm going to start making it into more of a daily practice kind of thing, where I do something to get myself in the day um so this is really helpful for me specifically but i suspect other people who want to start a daily practice so that's really great um so we've talked a little bit about the hobonichi uh, techo is that the right way to say it is techo
1: i believe i i was miss. i think i was mispronounced for I do the too. longest time i would call it techo uh-huh. but i believe it's techo
0: okay well, well i'll have to do some research on that um but i i think you're right um so talk a little bit about, um, there's a, such a variety of Japanese uh, papers and pens and brushes. Why don't you talk a little bit more about that for people who are curious. Again, we'll point to the article that you wrote in Sketchnote Army, but I think it's fun to hear you describing these things and why you love them.
1: Sure. Um, Oh, and one quick side note about the Hobonichi. That is great because sometimes I fall behind in that particular um, notebook because I do have a love of notebooks, so I have several others, so I might fall (laughs) behind in it. But the great thing is is it's perfect for my calligraphy practice because since I don't use it as a planner, I can just flip back to the pages I missed and I'll just do my practicing in there. So I found a, a... a good loophole when I've missed out on maybe if I've fallen behind on a week. Yeah. Um, That's,
0: that's good. That's a good point.
1: Another, uh, as far as Japanese paper, I recently, um, in the last few months discovered a new one. The paper is similar to the Hobonichi, but just a touch thicker. Um, but it's also what I would refer to as magical paper. It can, it's, it's still very thin, Not quite as thin as the Hobonichi, but thin, and because of that, lightweight. But it's um, a brand called Stayology, and it also has the grid-like note uh, design on the paper. Very light, so you can hardly see it, but there, Mm -hmm. and it's perfect for um, kind of keeping my alignment well, whether it's calligraphy or even with uh, sketch noting. with spacing and whatnot. The grids or the dot grids, they're my favorites. Um, and um, it's technically a planner too, but there aren't spec- specified dates. So for me, it's more just a general notebook. Um, that's how I kind of connect with it. And it's, it's great, I love it. Um, and as far as other Japanese products that I just think are awesome, there's a brand called uh, Kiratake. They make um, all different kinds of things, but mostly uh, different kinds of pens, multi liners, brush pens, markers, and um, they even have some watercolors. Um, but I love, I love their pens and brush pens. Um, just fantastic, and they're actually some of my favorite things to use in the Hobonichi and for a- uh, sketch noting specifically.
0: It's interesting. So. Um, I think uh, I've flirted a little bit. I've ordered some brush pens from Jetpens, which is a great resource by the way if you don't if you're if you've not experienced Japanese stuff in general. That's a pretty good place to get uh, a bunch of it. Um is uh, using a brush pen. I'm I'm not very experienced with it, and it's actually using it has gotten me thinking about taking some kind of a Japanese uh, kanji course or something like that. Um so that's that's uh that's been a lot of fun to kind of dream about. Now I probably actually have to do something. So if I were to ask you where are some good resources if we wanted to explore this idea of using these Japanese tools? Are there any resources that you found that maybe could that could guide us a little bit?
1: Um, actually, you mentioned Jet Pens. Um, it's it's one of my favorite uh, stores and sites of all time. They have um, a extremely helpful section on their website. It's their um, could be their blog, but they have a ton of different videos and tutorials to get you started not only on um, where to go with if you're starting brush lettering for example but they even give you some background information on the tools themselves and which different tools work better for what type of style brush lettering whether it's Asian characters or um, with English uh, brush lettering so actually not only do I order um, way too many things from their site, but I consistent, I've i signed up on their um, email newsletter and I regularly check on a weekly basis um, the tutorials that they have there because they, they outsource so many different links that I'll, I found very helpful. And I also just do a bit of my own research. I uh, go to YouTube and just kind of type in keywords, um, Japanese brush lettering, kuretake uh, brush pens or just brush pens, um, character lettering, those kinds of things. And that's where, um, for myself, I found um, helpful tutorials the most.
0: Interesting. It's funny. Um, so I have uh, my own Rodezine site. I have started doing a biweekly newsletter which has gone really well people really enjoy it and i'm having a blast doing it and there was a streak there for probably like five or six newsletters where every every one i would put like interesting links and in. i do every one of these episodes or uh issues i guess and uh, i kept on putting on jetpens links because they were so awesome like every week i would every two weeks i would have something that was fantastic and i just felt like i had to share it so there was like a streak of i don't know it was five or six newsletters that had links to those tutorials you know the pages um and then I discovered that they actually have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to, and when new YouTube stuff that they put up comes up, it'll come in an email with my other subscriptions. So it's kind of fun to, to receive those and then go check out, you know, whatever they're showing, whatever they're sharing. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, now let's uh, shift into a broader category. So and this may include Japanese things as well. Um, so I'm really curious about the kind of general analog tools that you're using to do your sketching. And it sounds as though you do lots of your work in analog. So we'll start there. And then maybe following this, uh, asking about your analog tools is if you use digital and if so, what kind of digital tools you use, but let's start with analog.
1: Yes, um, I do both, but I am very right now. I just very much in all my life, but I, I, I love the analog tools. Um, I really like the connection with the, feeling the how the tool itself and what it holds whether it's ink or watercolor and how it translates on um, paper and it's just I, I really enjoy kind of the process I feel like the process itself is an art in and of itself and it's a journey um so analog tools um right now I if As you can see from some of my posts, I very much am into, um, fountain pens and, um, I, I love, uh, and also, uh, dip pens, but I just, I like the idea of being able to fill the pen myself, um, with ink and learning that process. So again, it's another aspect where I'm connecting with the tool, um, and it just, I like that connection, which is why um, sketchnoting is just something I'm growing in my passion with every day because it's the connection with the actual sketchnoting itself and just the strong community behind it. So it's really the best of both worlds. Um, but for sketchnoting, too, not just calligraphy, I like using fountain pens. And um, I my favorite ink is actually a Japanese ink. It's um, platinum carbon um, it is something that is a little bit high maintenance because it um, requires me to clean out my fountain pen about once a week but I sort of enjoy doing that so it's not a problem for me but the ink is um, not just water resistant but waterproof when it fully dries so it's great with sketch notes um, in terms of if I want to later go over it with um, copic markers or watercolors or any of any other type of marker it just holds up really well with that um, and I also um, tried out because you've mentioned a lot how the uh, big flare pens are your favorite and I have to say I really like them
0: <laughs> yeah that's, that's it surprised me too because I used them in you know junior high and high school and just sort of forgot about them and I don't know I, somebody left one in a meeting room and I stumbled into it I was like wow this is really great
1: they write so smoothly, especially on the um, Hobonichi paper. It's just, it. I love the feel of it. It just glides on the paper so nicely. Um, and two other writing tools I really like. Um, the Baron Fick, their new pen, The Squire. I It's become one of my favorite writers. Um, it's, and again, it's... Uh, just a rollerball but it's very comfortable and I like the the, the, my favorite part is the ink flow it's just uh smooth kind of in a different sense than the flare but just I like the feel of it and I also like just a old-fashioned number two or HB pencil um to to do even both calligraphy and sketchnoting um so I can sort of go back and adjust some parts with the eraser. Um, and I I think I'll forever have a pencil in my pen case. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just connects me to my childhood. I just I have a love, affinity for pencils.
0: That's really interesting that uh, how much of your your history sort of comes into your work, which is really fascinating. And I, I agree on the Squire as well. Um, I was one of the Kickstarter backers, so I got one pretty early. And now it's, uh, I've got a uh, loop on my my bullet journal at work. um, So it's actually strapped right on there. And I use it every day to draw out my schedule and write my to-dos and stuff like that. So, and like you said, it's really smooth. Um, It's a nice size. It fits right in there. So I'm really quite enjoying it as well. So uh, the other thing I was going to observe was um, sort of this, uh, sort of, I, I keep coming back to meditation, this meditation around your um, work with these tools. So you really like tools. You're okay with them being a little bit high maintenance. Like you mentioned, cleaning out your fountain pen once a week. Um, there's something that I think aligns as well with like fussy coffee, Processes, (laughs) Processes, <laughs> um, so I used to have an espresso machine at home. Um, now I took I, I, I switched over to an espresso a little while ago, and now that's at the office. But at home, for many years, for about ten years, I had a, a home espresso maker, and every day it was my ritual, and I, that's a, maybe a better word for it is a ritual. Yeah, was to make uh, to pull a shot of espresso, uh, and then froth the milk, and it was it was sort of a break for me. I think I did it like three four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, as just a way to step away from the computer, and to give some context, uh, for ten years I worked uh, remotely at home with uh, Europeans on a variety of projects. So in the afternoons, you know, I was pretty much on my own. The, all the guys had gone to gone off to dinner or whatever, uh, and I was still working late at, late in their night. Um, and it was a way for me to step away from the computer because it was real easy. They get sucked in the computer and just keep on working and it was sort of a break. And I think it was a bit of a meditation and a bit of a a bit of a ritual, right? It was something that you can sort of look at. I really enjoyed the putziness of it, you know, like after doing the pulling the shot and all that, I had to clean up all the materials and you know, it wasn't it wasn't quick and easy. Like it was almost the antithesis of quick and easy, but that was the attraction of it, right? That it wasn't something mindless it was something mindful and i think that's what i feel coming through all the work that you talk about is this mindfulness around what you're doing and you really seem to enjoy the process of doing it wh- whether it's doing it or preparing for it or even cleaning up after it which is pretty great.
1: Oh yes, uh, that is a perfect analogy. I I love that. It's um and it's also a learning journey which i i like that about tools. I like tools where I have to learn its personality. There's an art in that, um, and I very much enjoy that. So I think that's why, for me, um, in terms of writing instruments, the fountain pen is my favorite because um, I'm... And I'm also relatively new to that world, but I very much enjoy learning its personality, and each one has a different one. Um, But... Um, and I, I will say though, um, though Japanese stationery is my heart for fountain pens. I, my favorites are, um, Italian made fountain pens. Um, and I think it's because, uh, specifically, uh, Aurora and Delta, um, there's just such an artisan, um, and, uh mindful approach in how they handcraft their pens. So they're a little bit um, more of an investment, but I find the payoff um, is just great. And it's with a fountain pen, I've learned, I'd rather have that one good one that I have a lifelong journey with where I'm learning the tool and it just grows with me. It, It kind of ages like a fine wine. So. I just, I could go on about it, but I love your analogy with the espresso maker. It's exactly how I feel about um, learning these analog tools.
0: That's really fascinating. And uh, so shout out to to Mauro Tasseli over in Italy. For, the, for making the great pens. Um, <laughs> I think the the other thing that I like, the metaphor that I use is um, I subscribe to this thing called Petrolicious, which is uh, a video series about classic cars. And I, I think what I love about it is uh, the people that own these cars are often very expensive, but um, they're not show cars. They don't put them in glass cases. They actually drive them. Um, and so the stories of those people are really fascinating because in a lot of ways, it's the ritual for them or it's the, it's a, in a form, a form of meditation for them to drive these old cars and often they're not easy to drive they're actually difficult to drive um but for some maybe it's a uh, recounting of coming back to old italian racing giants you know who race ferraris or whatever and there's uh just an interesting parallel uh there as well of these people who intentionally take these old you know they're limited you know compared to a modern car they're they're not, you know, well-appointed and they're, um, they're often rough and hard to handle and, you know, they bounce around. But that's sort of the thing that the, these people are looking for and they embrace that. And I think um, that, that seems like a, an alignment in the way that you sort of approach your tools. Even if they're maybe difficult, you sort of accept that. And I think that's, that's an interesting perspective to take, um, especially now I relate that as well to learning how to use the iPad Pro and the Pencil. Uh, because it 's not it 's a little bit foreign right it 's not exactly pen on paper it doesn 't have the exact feel, and I think my resistance is this is not like paper, pen and paper i should i don 't want to do this, but then I force myself to use it and I find that in its uh, in its difficulties from that perspective there 's benefits in other ways um, and it provides me another space to work in that 's different than analog um, and it 's not necessarily better or worse it 's just different and it 's got some different features um and it's a good reminder that um as we invest in and we lean into these tools that are maybe maybe initially not as comfortable that we start to build comfort with them and we find ways to work with them and it becomes kind of a beautiful expression to use them right that's kind of the fun of it so uh with that uh sort of point why don't we switch over to digital cuz you mentioned you do do some digital work i'd love to hear what tools you're using there and what your impression is and how that how does that square with your analog how do you balance those two with each other
1: um i i w- again great analogy and i do i really love these digital tools they are a, a bit more foreign to me but i Approach it in that way where I like the challenge. It's it's a different world um, and a different feel, and it's just some another opportunity where I get to learn its quirks and it has its own personality. And I do think that digital has its heartbeat and soul in that too. It's just in a different way. And I think the two worlds, both analog and digital, can um, marry very well together and um, strengthen each other in different ways. Um, For me right now, I haven't had the opportunity yet to play with the iPad Pro and I'm looking at the smaller one and I cannot wait to um, try out the Apple Pencil. But my favorite uh, digital um, tool is my current iPad, iPad Air, and the uh, Paper 53 app, which mm-hmm. I just um, finished actually um, doing a small project where I illustrated a children's book for an uh, author uh, solely using that
0: app. Wow. Wow, that's great. Talk a little Sp- bit more about that. I'm curious now.
1: Um, well, I, for a digital app, there is a very, for me, I found that there is a, an analog feel to it. I, I like the features um, that at 53 has. And when I started with them, it was before um, they brought their Think Kit into their toolbox there. Um, and I, I like all of the, um, how they have evolved. But I, I very much like... different effects that you can do uh like for example the watercolor effect and um they even have a fountain pen sort of line that you can it's wonderful for practicing digital lettering um and now that they've brought in the think kit that is just awesome for i feel digital sketch noting um and for me when i i do practice uh Sketchnoting not just with my analog tools but heavily in the 53 app, and it's I just feel it translates very well with um, and it's very connective and easy to use for me. I, I probably there's a better way to elaborate on it, but just uh, their tools. If, if you've never used it, I feel it's a wonderful app where if you want to sort of get your feet wet. Um, with anything digital, uh, with illustration or just drawing or lettering um, or doing more of the sketchnoting or org charts or things like that. 53 is awesome. You can just sort of dive right in. It's not complicated to use. It's fun to sort of, again, this approach of, I kind of like to figure things out with their different... um, capabilities and it's I just have stayed with it because it's a pleasure to use and it has just a very nice uh, personality to it where I'd like to challenge myself and perhaps my next step from 53 is I've heard great things about Procreate um, but I haven't yet gone in there Um, but as far as digital goes I'm, I'm a big proponent of the paper 53 app and I like their pencil stylus too um, it has that uh, old-fashioned, the shape of it feels like a carpenter's pencil, and I love all things involving pencil. So uh, I very much like that stylus.
0: It's yeah, comfortable. I agree. I love, I love that it's a natural material, so you can get it in uh, like, in wood and different kinds of wood. I think I have a black one and a, and a walnut one, so I like the feel of it in my hand. It reminds me of uh, feeling like I'm really using a pencil. Um, I think uh, that's a really good good observation about the 53 tool set and i think what what i'm realizing as i uh, as i talk with people in the podcast uh, lots of people sort of say the same thing and i think what 53 has done well is they found a good balance between uh, all the different tools so it's i think of it much more as a visual thinking toolkit uh than a drawing tool so lots of these tools like procreate i think is kind of aimed a little bit more as a drawing tool and that uh-huh. that's fine right um but I think there's something about the way uh fifty three is approached that's a little bit more like a visual thinking tool, like you can draw with it, but it's almost more for it lends itself better to sketch noting and visualization and those kind of things um and you know there's of course things I wish it had, um but you know maybe those things are coming um and it provides an alternative to maybe the the traditional straight ahead drawing tools like procreate um which is gives you tons of control and um is a little bit different orientation. So it's really great, actually, that we have this variety of tools. Another one that I have mentioned many times is a tool called Concepts, um, which is another iOS app. And it's a, there's a free version, and you can buy a, a pro version that's got tools, and they have a community on Facebook that you can ask questions. Um, it it does everything in vectors, so which is kind of interesting because uh, as I've been sketchnoting with it, I can select a whole chunk of text and just change the color, or I can make the line thicker or change it from a gel pen, decide, I don't want to make that a single-stroke pen or I want to make it into some other kind of pen. Because it's vector-based, you can actually select those chunk of bits that you drew and change them, the color and the style and the opacity and everything. So that's an interesting angle that, you know, When you compare it to paper, like once you draw it on paper, you know, it's pixels. So it is what it is. And it's, you know, it's hard to change color unless maybe you watercolor over it or something like that. Uh, so it's just a different, again, a different angle on the same challenge and providing a different way to, to approach it. So it's really good for certain things. And, um, I keep coming back to paper as well. I I quite like sort of the, the balance of tools that they offer. Um, but it's fun to explore these other ones as well. So I think that's really great that you're, Doing both. I'm doing both. I think lots of sketchnoters are doing both. There's a few that have gone fully digital, and you know, I think there's some advantages to sort of challenging yourself. You mentioned the daily doodle to maybe like take a certain set of time and say, I won't do anything on paper for a week or something, and just see what happens. Those kind of are fun little experiments to do. So, we're coming near the end of the podcast now. And uh, the way I like to wrap these up is I have people share three sketchnoting tips. Uh, that can help people today in their sketchnote work from your perspective, something that's uh, something you do, something you've observed, something that you think could be helpful to someone who's new or even someone who's been doing it for a while, and uh, and share those with, uh, with the listeners.
1: For me, um, uh, just practicing it, um, making it a daily practice. Um, even before that, if it's something that feels intimidating um, – having a daily practice of something that you already feel comfortable with. For me, it's calligraphy lends itself to strengthen my daily practice with sketchnoting. Um, and the biggest thing is giving myself complete permission and freedom to just practice sketchnoting and figure my way with it without the pressure of sharing it. Um, it really helps me kind of get outside of myself within sketch noting too, because I I don't have to have that performance aspect. And in like you said, performance has its um, p- benefits, but it can also have its cons too. And for me, in just starting something new, I need the freedom to be able to make a horrible sketch note, in my opinion, or it doesn't have to look great, or it doesn't maybe it just I couldn't find a very good flow with it. And that's okay. I don't have to feel frustrated about it. Just practicing um, and feeling what works with me and, and observing what doesn't work and kind of uh, what I feel really strong in or comfortable in, in an as aspect of sketch knitting. perhaps like I, maybe I like the lettering aspect and areas where I want to develop more in with sketchnoting, perhaps like with icons, um, drawing icons and having kind of a second nature of um, a visual, a simple icon I can draw instead of writing the word. That's something I'm wanting to develop in more. Um, another tip is just looking at other people's sketch notes. That's very helpful for me. Even if I their style isn't something that, um, perhaps I will implement in my own style. I draw so much inspiration from looking at different, uh, sketch notes and the the very, the different styles. Sometimes all it takes is I'll look at somebody's sketch note and I don't even realize that that particular style can be in a sketch note. Um, for example Ivan Seamus, he has um a strong urban sketching feel um in his work and i never even thought that i could bring in that type of element into a sketch note so th- things like that um like and James Sorreta one of his uh in his sketch notes i've noticed there's a lot it's just very clean and simple. It almost has um, sort of this modern architecture blueprint feel to it. Mm -hmm. And um, so different things like that, uh, just looking at people's work inspires me, just like with calligraphy, when I read different excerpts from books or quotes, it inspires uh, my work. So uh, first is practicing and second is just looking at other people's. And um, the third point I'd share is just um, really getting. For me, I, it's it's kind of. I start thinking in terms of putting it into practice with um, when I watch something like a cooking a cooking show on TV. It, it doesn't have to be anything. Uh, uh, elaborate or maybe, uh, one of the, my favorite things to practice sketch noting with is when my son tells me a story. He loves to tell stories. So finding just everyday things that are part of my normal daily, uh, life, kind of just the things that I already enjoy doing. That's what I like to practice sketch noting with. So perhaps it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, uh a work assignment or a being in a meeting for the for me i found if i try to s- start my sketch noting practice with those things that intimidated me too so what i use as far as material are just my every everyday things that i enjoy whether it's like again a cooking show or someone telling a story and just doing a very simple sketch note on that
0: those are fantastic tips and the third one really reminds me of uh the first year that i did the uh, i stole the idea from austin cleon and that was the daily log where i was writing and i had a, a large moleskin book and it happened to coincide with my second book the sketchnote workbook and so lots of my planning for the book went in there and sort of observations and i did testing so i did a sketchnote of a public tv show about the titanic that sort of proved that you could do sketchnoting of tv shows and um it, what it, what's really interesting is um when I look back at that book, it's like the it's the mundane little comments and details that I put in there that are so uh, that I treasure so much. Oddly enough, like you would think it's the the amazing things and of course those are cool, but um sort of looking back at sort of these mundane little daily tasks like oh today, you know, Linnea did this thing or that thing or, you know, it's those are the things that I look back and it it points me back to a farther point in time and a story that my wife and I share. We went to a bed and breakfast once for one of our anniversaries, and they happened to have a little diary on the table in the room next to ours, so we just were curious. We picked it up and started reading it, and it turned out to be uh, like a 20-year-old girl, a woman, young woman from 1908, and she lived in Milwaukee and worked downtown, and it was this amazing story. We just went through her diary and read her story, and she talked about like these two different guys that were chasing after her, and she saw a murder outside of a out of a theater, and like rode the rode the trolleys all around the city and you sort of get the sense like, Oh yeah, nineteen oh eight was like, you know, this drudgery, you know, it was a time you wouldn't want to live in. And after reading her book, it's kinda of like I wanted to go jump back into nineteen oh eight and see what it was like. It was really amazing. All those little details that she wrote came to life, you know, a hundred years later in this little book. So that always inspires me when I'm writing these mundane details or I'm drawing little sketches of things that you know a hundred years from now, maybe my great great grandchildren will pick up these books that were that I'm creating and be inspired by it and it might propel them to do something interesting as well and to reflect on you know where their history came from. so I think that's maybe an encouragement as well in that third point is uh, may not may not even be for you, it might be for somebody else for all you know
1: Wow that is such an awesome story and a really beautiful thought on um sketch notes it puts a different perspective on it that um we're creating a legacy for um our our family or children or just even complete strangers down the road and um as we've talked about in the podcast uh the history behind things, the story behind things, it, it just it adds value um, to the present moment and to the things that we use. For me, to, it, tools and Japanese stationery, it connects um, to some of my heritage and history. So, just the thought of that is so uh, cool that anyone's sketch note um, can be something down the road that somebody finds or picks up and it really uh, draws meaning for them and it connects the. The dots along the way, so I just love that <laughs> notion of sketchnoting.
0: Yeah, I I do too. I think it's uh, it's a really important thing to to bear in mind as we work uh, that we focus on um, the longevity, especially um, if you're using ink on paper that's you know acid-free and meant to last for hundreds of years. Uh, sometimes, honestly, that go, floats through my mind as I'm working on my iPad Pro and pencil, which I love, but I wonder. You know how will these digital things be preserved? I kind of assume that the internet will exist in the future, but is that a necessarily a guarantee? Or will it be in the form that I can imagine? Or will my potentially unimportant sketch notes on digital medium somehow survive someplace? Or it's uh, it makes me think about that and wonder sometimes whether papers may be in some ways a safer place to sketch note for longevity. Than maybe the digital tools are not to take away from them of course they're good for practice and, and process. but maybe it's a, a realization for me that um, I don't plan on taking paper and pen out of my my uh, repertoire anytime soon uh, but simply I'm adding some digital tools to that.
1: Definitely that I think that is a strong pull for me as well. even um, I mean one of my favorite things to do, when I was a child, if I was at my grandparents' home, any anything I could find that they hand wrote, I just, that would be my favorite treasure of, of all the things in their collection and their travels and their life. The things that they would write with their hand, whether it was a letter or even just a shopping list or something, there is such a fascination with that. So I am very much a proponent in and keeping the analog tools in my repertoire as well.
0: Mm, Interesting. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion, Catherine. Um, I think at this point, I would love to have you share where we can find you and sort of the places you hang out the most. So people who've heard you speak and talk a little bit about your history and what you're doing can reach out to you and say hello and make connections. Um, I think that would be a great way to wrap up the podcast.
1: Okay. Thank you. Uh, And I love to connect with people anybody. So, uh, I'm uh, on Instagram quite a bit and also Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Catherine Misuk. Um, I'm also on Tumblr. I have a Facebook page, but I am predominantly on Instagram and, uh, Twitter the most.
0: Excellent. Well, that's uh, that's what we need to know. And I hope that uh, if you're interested in talking to Catherine, that you reach out. We're going to have all the links in the show notes so you can find her page and her social media connections uh, and reach out to her. I think um, there's going to be lots of people reaching out, maybe about calligraphy, maybe about sketchnoting, maybe about Japanese uh, <laughs> stationery. There's so many angles that people can come from. And I hope that they reach out to you and say hello and that you make even more connections and deepen your connection to the sketch note community. So... Thanks again for making time to be on the show, and uh, I think we're going to wrap the show with that, everybody. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next Sketchnote Army podcast.